online campus, we love you, and we thank you for tuning in and being connected with us, and we're praying for you and knowing that God is with you right there where you are this morning. Amen. Church, can we give a warm welcome to our online campus? Amen. Um, give me a second. I'm... That was a new experience for some of you, perhaps. But our soul needs to yearn for those that need God. And a lot of people need God. There's a lot of people that we come into contact with every single day that don't know Jesus. And I'm going to be honest, I don't pray for them enough. I need to pray more. We need to reach more. And it's so easy to get caught up with our stuff. Come on, can we be honest? It's easy to get up, caught up with our stuff. Oh, man, I had such a hard time getting to church today because it was raining. Here's an example. Man, I was trying to do online campus, but the stream cut off, or it didn't sound right. Or, and we have all these things. And we account them as these, like, persecutions. And there's people getting killed right now. Because they say Jesus is Lord. We don't know what persecution is in this country because this country has been so blessed. This country is the most blessed nation when you think of the things right now, right? Like when you, you compare it to, to what you see, we are so blessed. We need to be willing to stand when it's time to stand. And the time is coming. And for some, it is here right now. I'm not getting into this baloney that is dividing half of the country right now. Vaccine, no vaccine, mass, no masses. Of, guys, that's nothing compared to what's coming. And can I be very frank and honest? We're not going to win anybody to Christ if we engage into those trivial arguments and fighting with people. We're pushing people away from Jesus. And we need an awakening in the body of Christ to return to prayer and fasting. it changes things. As a matter of fact, you ask me right now, how are things going to get better? I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. This kind will only come out through prayer and fasting. Jesus, after a time of prayer, goes and the guy comes to him and says, I, 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 my, my son, does all, all these things are happening. And I took him to your disciples. Nothing happened. Jesus cast out the demon. The disciples come to Jesus and said, why didn't it happen when we prayed? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And it wasn't the demon, it was the unbelief, the doubt. 
I would even go as bold to say as the bickering and the fighting among disciples at times. There was bickering and fighting, yeah. I can think of two things that come to mind right now. The two that came to Jesus and said, hey, when we get to heaven, can we be the ones on your right and left? Man, if I don't know, that doesn't bring some division amongst a team. That they go up to the boss and say, put me there. I don't know what would. How about when the disciples came to Jesus and said, we heard of these people casting out demons in your name, but we told them to stop because they don't walk with us. If that's not a division of even the, a, a picture of the division even exists amongst churches in the body of Christ today, I don't know what is. And you know what Jesus said? They're casting out demons in my name. If they're not against us, they're for us. I don't care what church you go to. If Jesus is your Lord, I love you and I will stand by you and I will pray for you. Why? Because we are one body in Christ. Denominations are not going to exist in heaven. Did you know that? We're not going to get to heaven and there's going to be a neighborhood called 3W and a neighborhood called Calvary Chapel or a neighborhood called Doral Vineyard or a neighborhood called uh, a Cathedral of Faith or a neighborhood called the Rey Jesus or a neighborhood called Alpha and Omega or a neighborhood called Christ Fellowship or a neighborhood called... We're not going to live in neighborhoods. We're going to walk into heaven and for eternity we're going to glorify the King of Kings. We should start practicing that right now on earth so that it may be on earth as it is in heaven. Whew. Holy Spirit, continue to move and speak in Jesus' name. regroup and we're going to start preaching. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we're starting a series today. God put this series in my heart last year, about mid-year. And the title of this series, as you see before me, we announced it last week, is called The Secret Life. Do any of you know anybody that has a secret life? Did you ever discover somebody who you didn't know had a secret life, but then you found out they had a secret life? They were one way with certain people, one way with other people, and they never wanted the people to mix. My wife and I, we watch, I, I like watching uh, crime TV shows or movies and stuff like that, special, special agent type stuff, you know? And Patty always looked at me as like, if they ever tell you you need to go somewhere, remember your family, like don't leave us, you know? <laughs> and because we we've always had a joke um, that I worked for the CIA, which I didn't. Um, but we always had this joke because when I worked for a publishing company, it was very high with the security and the RSA tokens, all these things, and, and all these things that we had never experienced or used and, and stuff. And this is going back about more than a decade ago, probably about 15 years ago. And so we'd always, she'd always be like, why do you need so much security for your job? It's like, because I'm a secret agent. No, I'm just kidding. But there's these people that have to lead all these secret lives. And can I tell you something? Jesus had a secret life. Some of you are like, what? See, because we all think of a person leaving a secret life 
as a person who is usually doing something evil on the other side. But can I tell you that what you do in secret will reflect in what you comes out in public? And Jesus had a secret life that we're going to be learning about today and over the next couple of weeks. And today specifically, we're going to begin talking about Jesus' secret life when it came to prayer. We don't know much about Jesus' prayers other than he prayed a lot. We know the Garden of Gethsemane when he was there with a few of his disciples and he prayed for God's will to be done and not his own. Three times he prayed, prayed blood, even came out of his down his face. But we don't know much about his prayer other than the fact that he would go secretly to pray. And the reason is because your secret life of prayer will reflect in your life of ministry as a believer. I'm not talking about ministry from a pulpit. I'm talking about you being able to win souls, live in the, in the fruit of the spirit, in operation in your life. I'm talking about us being Christians. It will be contingent on the level of our life of prayer in secret. What does the word secret mean? If you're a note taker, write it down. Secret means not known or not seen or not meant to be known or seen by others. Not known or seen or meant to be seen by others. And what is prayer? I'm going to give you two simple definitions of breakdown of prayer. The first one is this. Prayer is talking to God. It's talking to God. Now, I'm going to tell you one of the most common things I hear about prayer from believers, and it's this, pastor, I don't know how to pray. Any of you ever felt that way before? I don't know how to pray. Well, I'm going to equate it to when you have a person that doesn't know how to start a communication or conversation with somebody. Have you ever, ever met that introvert? I mean, they just feel awkward around people. They don't know how to talk to people. They don't, they don't know how to bring it across. They don't know what's going on. Especially, let's talk about our kids. Sometimes our kids don't know how to go and make a friend and talk to somebody or whatnot. Well, the reality is that as you continue to talk to the person, a relationship develops, and your prayer is conversation with God, and the more that you talk to God, the easier it will become, the deeper the conversations will be. Another thing that I've heard from a lot of people is this, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to waste time in prayer. Please write this down. Take it to the bank. Time spent in prayer is never wasted time. As a matter of fact, the busier you are, the higher your position, the more time you need to spend in prayer. The higher your position, the more time you need in prayer. Prayer time is never wasted time. Now, let's get into some practical things. I want to read with you. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. You know, I am a firm believer, and we preach it hard from this platform, from this pulpit, the importance of reading Scripture and backing up everything we say with the Word of God and not twisting it. There's a lot of people that try to twist Scripture to make it what they want it to say. But we're going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5. This is Jesus talking, and he says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret place. And your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. 
Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Actually, it goes, I'm going to go backwards for a second. I, 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 in worship, I, I said about as a parent, you begin to learn and differentiate the different type of cries of your children. What type of diaper or hunger or did I fall and get hurt type of cry. God knows what we need. He just needs to hear our cry. And we cry in our prayer. I'm not talking about a physical crying now. You know, I'm, ta I'm talking about a crying out, a calling, a pleading, a asking. So I pulled out a few things that God put in my heart based on these four verses. And the first one I want you to jot down this morning is this. We need to be sincere when we pray. Be sincere when you pray. If I go back to that first verse, verse number five, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Another word that it uses for there is pretenders. You shall not be like the pretenders. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, I'm going to do a little timeout. Zach Morris saved by the bell style. Timeout. Jesus here was not putting to shame the practice of public corporate prayer. Public corporate prayer is necessary, but what Jesus was saying was when you pray, it needs to be sincere, not pretending or speaking and wanting it so that others can hear me and say, but you pray so well. Don't be a faker. Don't be a poser. Don't be a pretender. Be sincere. The word sincere means this. Free from pretense or deceit, providing genuine feelings. If you look up the etymology of the word, sincere actually comes from the Latin sincera, without wax, as you really break it down. And the reason that it came about is when somebody would make a pot, a plate, something that was beautiful, and they would go to sell it in the marketplace, there was a value placed on the item depending on its purity or on its authenticity or on its sincerity. They would ask, was this a plate that was broken and was fixed? And they could determine it by grabbing it and putting it up to the sun or to a light. And if it had been repaired, you would see a line of wax and the light break through. And they would say, this is not sincera, without wax. This is not sincere. This is not whole. God wants our prayer to be sincere from the heart not a script that we follow from our heart. So number one, be sincere when you pray. The second thing I grabbed from that verse that the Lord showed me is the fact that prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. I'm going to read verse number six. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret place, and your father who knows in secret will reward you openly. It is a personal thing when you pray. We're talking to God about what we need is why verse number eight says our God already knows. Online campus, it says it in verse number eight. He already knows what we need even before we ask it. But in the personalness, we talk, we have conversation. I don't think I've ever had the moment when my daughters go to the fridge and come to me and say, hey, dad, we're out of milk. No, I always notice ahead of time. They just say we want milk. Okay, go to the fridge. I already stocked it. 
And he wants a genuineness, a sincerity, and a personal. Not only is prayer personal, but that verse tells us that we need to designate a place to pray. Designate a place to pray. How many of you heard somebody say, oh, I have a prayer closet, a war room. Designate a place to pray. Where do you go and pray? I'm going to tell you what I do. I have three different places that are like my connection places. First one is my office in my house. And I tend to go pray there either early in the morning before anybody else wakes up. And I'll tell you why in a second. Or after I took the kids to school and I get back home and there's nobody there, I go to my office and I pray. Another place that I pray is here at the church. See, I love coming in here, locking all the doors, turning on worship, and I walk circles in this little lap. I just do little laps in here praying. And I walk in between the seats, laying hands on them and praying. And praying for you and praying for me and praying for my family and praying. And the third place that is a place of, for me that I like to go pray is I like to throw my AirPods on and go for a nice two-mile walk around my lake. And I go and I walk and I pray. I, I do that. That is my place. Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites, the pretenders that want to only pray in public to be seen by people. No, no, no. You go to your room... So, designate a place. And then what did Jesus say? He said, shut the door. So, jot this down this morning. We need to eliminate distractions when we pray. Eliminate distractions when you pray. You know what I do on my phone? I I have an iPhone. I swipe it up and I hit do not disturb. When I'm going to go into private prayer time, I put do not disturb. Because... Somebody's going to text me or call me. And if somebody doesn't call me or text me because it was too early in the morning when I woke up to pray, there'll be an Amber Alert or there'll be an Apple News Spotlight or a notification so-and-so. Like something will come that will distract you. Jesus said, go into your room and shut the door. Eliminate distractions. I was listening to Pastor Preston uh, Morris last year at the Gateway Conference, and he was talking about prayer and intimacy with God. And he gave this example, this, he gave this, this story that happened to him. He said he was in his personal time of prayer just talking with God, and he felt God ask him this question. He said, I didn't hear it audibly. It was just a, I just felt this question. What is the last thing And he said his wife's name. Basically, what is the last thing your wife says to you before you guys are intimate? She kind of just like looked and like just, what? Like like you're talking about what, is that what you're asking for real? It's like, yeah, what's the last thing she says? And started thinking and he says, well, I mean, God, if I'm I'm frank, you know, we have small children. So the last thing she usually says is go lock the door. And he says that God put that in his heart. Preston, when you come in to pray with me, 
pray to me and talk with me, our most deep, intimate moment, shut the door. You know why many of us don't pray is because we don't position a place to pray and we don't shut the door so that nothing interrupts us from talking with our God. We need to designate a place that that is our prayer place. And we need to learn how to eliminate distractions and shut the door. Because as I said in the beginning, what happens in the secret is what's going to push out what happens in the public. I'm going to be real and honest, man. I mess up. I snap at people. Sometimes I get angry. My ears flare up like it look like a tomato that's going to explode. Can I tell you, it happens more when I didn't start my day right than when I started my day right. So then I ask myself the question, then why don't you start your day right? Oh, because I got busy last night with this, and I went to sleep later, so I wasn't able to wake up. Uh, Oh, because, you know, we come up with excuses as to why we didn't start our day right. But church, what we do in our secret life is going to show in the public life. So as we talk about prayer, say it with me this morning, designate a place to pray. Eliminate distractions. And here's number three, church. This one's really, really profound. You ready? Keep it simple. I'm going to read to you again what Jesus said in verses 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. You know what God wants to hear? The simplicity and the openness of our heart. And the sincerity that we cry out to him in. That's what God wants to hear. So keep it simple. See, I'm reminded of something that took place in 1 Kings chapter 18. You can read the story later. That's homework, all right? 1 Kings chapter 18 is the story of Elijah when he goes against the prophets of Baal. Now, when you read the story, if you remember the story, if you heard that story, if you haven't heard them, I'll tell you what it is. It's Cliff Notes version, right? Israel, once again, is serving Baal, the false god. And Elijah challenges the prophets and says, let's find out once and for all who's the real god. And these 450 prophets of Baal, they all come together. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 18 that they begin to scream, to yell, to shout, to dance, to cut themselves, all these kind of things. And, and Elijah actually even mocks them at one point. He says, scream a little louder, a little bit louder now, a little bit louder, right? And when Elijah gets tired of letting them scream and chant and it's time for the sacrifice to God... He says, all right, guys, quiet down. And his prayer to God was this. God, you are the real God. Show all these people once and for all who's the real God. He prayed a simple prayer and fire came from heaven. Many times our prayers are not answered, not because we haven't prayed, but because we didn't pray simply. We got so caught up in trying to say all the right things that we never prayed. I mean, have you had a conversation with somebody that they never even tell you what the point was? Like you, you finish the conversation, and you're like, what did they even say? I'm trying to teach my eldest daughter, Abigail, how to give me a concise answer. I'll ask Abigail a question, you know, Abigail, 
what, what is this, whatever. And she'll start, right, like three days ago. And I get to the point, it's like, mama, 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 answer the question. Because there's, there's times where we just need to keep it simple. Just get to the point. There's another story in 1 Samuel chapter 1, the story of Hannah. Hannah was crying out. She, was, she felt bad because she didn't have children. She couldn't bear children to her husband, Elkanah. And, and, and his, other, his husband's other wife, she had had all these kids. And the lady, you know, because she's used by the Satan. Like, I'm having these kids. I mean, you know when you're believing God for something and the devil sends somebody else, usually a heathen? And you're like, what the heck, man? Like, you know, what's going on? I've been there. So Hannah gets to the church one day. She gets to the temple. Eli is the prophet or the, or the priest at the time. And she throws herself at the altar. And she begins to cry out to God. Not vo vocally. You couldn't hear her, but you would see her lips moving. So much so that, that Eli came to her and said, woman, when are you going to stop drinking? And she looks and says, oh, sir, I'm not drunk. I haven't even drank anything. I am crying out from the pain in my heart unto God. And God heard the simplicity of her cry and gave her Samuel. And then she dedicated Samuel to God. And then she, God gave him other sons and daughters. Church, keep it simple. And then... The last thing is this, we need to make prayer a habit. Pastor, that sounds religious. No, I'm not saying you need to pray the same prayer. I'm saying you need to have the habit of praying. The same way that I very much so hope and pray that this morning when you woke up, you went to your bathroom and brushed your teeth, put the deodorant on. I think they should make that mandatory. Pass a law about that one. We need to make it a habit that the first thing we do is talk to God. Before we check our email, before we check what so-and-so posted, before we check what the weather is going to be, before we do anything, say, good morning, pops. I love you. Thanks for letting me wake up another day. I thank you because, man, there's people that didn't wake up today, but God, you let me wake up. Simple. Now, I'm going to prove to you that Jesus did all these things that we just talked about. Are you ready? We're going to go through a little Bible reading challenge, if you would. And, and, and if you have a physical Bible, I want you to go there. It's going to show up on the screen behind me, but I want you to see it in the scripture. We're going to start in the book of Matthew. We're going to go uh, 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 in order through these books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to go through a few verses there. The first one is in Matthew 14, 23. Look what it says there, Matthew 14, verse 23. Be good if I get to the right page. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. Watch now. Turn your, your Bible a few pages over and go to Mark chapter 1, verse number 35. Mark 1, verse 35, and look what it says. It says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, 
he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Watch, turn the page. Go to chapter 6 of Mark, verse number 46. Mark 6, 46. Look what he says. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Go to the book of Luke, chapter number 5. Luke chapter 5, verse number 16, it says, So he himself often, that's the most important word in that phrase, for he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And then look at chapter 6. Turn the page over. Chapter 6, verse number 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. Did you guys see that Jesus had a designated place that he would go pray? The mountains and the wilderness. That was his place. Nobody's going to bother me. You know how he shut the door? He went early in the morning before the disciples woke up. He stayed there late at night when nobody else was there. He shut the door. He eliminated distractions. He had a habit of it. Over and over. As a matter of fact... It's how he was refilled to go do the miracles. I can prove it to you again. A couple of those scriptures there were right after miracles. Right after God used his son Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to multiply the fish and the bread and feed 5,000 people plus women and children, it says that he told the disciples, get on the boat, go to the other side. And he went by himself to the mountain to pray. And in the middle of the night, he was so prayed up, he walked on water and went to the boat where the disciples were walking on water. He refilled. Man, have you ever had a rough week? An emotionally draining week? I had one of those. I had about two or three, two and a half to three weeks of that. First, when my wife and I, we got COVID, the kids got COVID. Thank God we all made through it fine. We're all good. Everything is great. Everything, everybody's healthy. But then after that, we were dealing with other folks and, and friends that were dealing with COVID and parishioners. And we were, you know, just on there. And I had a, 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 a friend of mine that I had grown up with that passed away from COVID. We had a church member that was uh, advanced in age, passed away from, from ALS. We, we had a, I mean, it was just a taxing over and over. And I, I would get home and, and, and Patty would look to me. She's like, how was your day? I was like, honey, I'm exhausted, physically and mentally exhausted. And I looked at her and said, I need a day to refill, and I need to get away from everybody. So I did that. I called one of the, the guys that I, that I mentor and disciple, comes to our church. His name is Sergio. He, he owns a boat, and we've gone fishing several times over. And I called him, and I said, Sergio, I need to go fishing. He's like, all right, cool. You know, we usually, I, I use it as a discipleship opportunity. I'll take some guys that we can just spend some time in prayer, do different things, whatever. And I said, but I'm not asking anybody to go. As a matter of fact... I'm not even going to talk to you about stuff. Like, I, I, it's not going to be a discipleship day. I need a day to get out there, no cell phone, no nothing, and connect with God. And so I called a pastor buddy of mine, the pastor of Doral Vineyard. His name is Abdi, and Abdi and I went to Pastors University together. I've known him for several years already. We pray together. We talked a lot and, and stuff. And I called him, and, and, I, and I know his day off is on a certain day of the week, and I was going to go on a different way. And I called him. And I said, how difficult is it for you to change your day off this week? He's like, what's going on? I was like, I'm going fishing, but I'm going fishing just to connect to God, and I want you to come with me so we can pray together. 
And that's what we did. We got up at four in the morning. We drove almost two hours to the place where we dropped the boat out there almost in Marco Island and the little city that's over there. And it was crazy because, you know, the devil, <laughs> it hadn't rained in two weeks almost. And it's raining the whole way there. We get there and it's raining. And, and all these experienced fishermen that are at this place are like, you guys are going to go out there? I was like, yep. He's like, but this squall is coming. I was like, it's going to clear. And we got on the boat and I took my little boom, Bluetooth, you know, and I just started worshiping. And this whole entire ride out, we just, and we cried out. Abdi and I prayed over each other. We prayed over our families. We prayed over our children. We prayed over our churches. We prayed over our city. We just spent time connecting with God. And then we just started casting the rod and, 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 and doing the thing. And, and man, it was a day of just spending time in God's creation and in prayer and in worship. And I came back. I mean, I, I, it's different. Why are you telling us this, Pastor? Whatever. Man, because I'm being honest and transparent. I can't pastor you in a healthy place if I don't spend time and purpose it. I, I'm, I'm talking to you about the importance of prayer. And the reality is that I'm not in a bigger position than you are. Because when you go into your office as the executive you are, or that you go into your office as whatever position that you work in, you are there to win people to Christ. But if in your secret life of prayer you're empty, you'll never be able to give. And my challenge for you and for me is that we create this habit of spending time with God, talking with God, so that when we encounter people, we have something to give. Jesus healed people because he was prayed up. Jesus delivered people because he was prayed up. Jesus was able to multiply the fish and the bread because he was prayed up. Because remember, he was 100% God, but then he became 100% man. And in his humanity filled with the Holy Spirit, in his connection time of his secret life of prayer, he was able to reach, touch, heal, and deliver. So church, as the worship team comes up to the altar, and please start playing something quickly. Your secret life of prayer will determine your public life of service unto God. Your secret life will determine your public life. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Father, this morning, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, we But I feel that we need to first and foremost repent for not setting aside time for you. And Lord, I pray that as this message that you put into my heart to feed your sheep, they're not mine, they're yours. Lord, I pray that this message will resonate and that each and every one of us will begin to do these things. Lord, that we may understand that prayer needs to be sincere and it needs to be personal. That it's not wasted when we spend time with you. And Father, that we may do these things to make it effective. That, that we may set aside a designated place to pray. That, that we may set aside and eliminate the distractions when it's time to pray. And, and Father, that we will make this a habit to talk to you. I thank you, Lord, for you hear us.
And I thank you, Father, for as we pray, you respond in Jesus' name. Before I move on, I, I need to give everybody the opportunity to actually make Jesus the Lord of their life because coming to church doesn't make you a believer. It doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't start the relationship. It's all the condition of your heart and your belief. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says it's very easy, man. I, I, I got to tell you, you who's watching online or listening, and those of you that are here, establishing a relationship with God is not hard. The Bible says that it takes belief that Jesus is his son, and it takes confessing or declaring that belief. So today, if you say, you know, actually, if I die today, I don't know if I would make it to heaven. I don't know if I've done enough good things. Well, let me let you know, your good works does not get you to heaven. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. But I want you to ask yourself this question. Number one, do I believe Jesus is the Son of God? And if you can say yes to that, you are halfway there. And the second one is, have I ever declared it? Had I said it? Have I established it? Have I opened my mouth and said it? which brings forth the miracle of salvation. Wow. And if that's you, if today you say, I want to receive the miracle of salvation, I want you to, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here in the building or if you're online, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And, and we're going to pray it with you. And we're going to say it. I, I want you to pray it with me, church. Say, God, I'm a sinner. On my own, I can't get to you. I can't earn it. And I'm not good enough. But I believe that Jesus is your son, that he came to earth, he lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the grave, and paid the price for my sin. So today, I ask Jesus, come and live in my heart, write my name in the book of life, and God, from now on, I am yours, and you are mine, in Jesus' name. If you did that today for the first time, let, let me just tell you something quickly. That was the introduction to God. And now you build that relationship by doing what we just talked about. Praying, talking to him. You just, God, I'm here. I really don't know what to say, but I thank you. Right? Just simple, talk simple from what's in your heart. God will also talk to you. And he talks to us through what it says in his word. And I encourage you to get into reading of the Bible every day. And if you don't own one, talk to us. We're going to give you a Bible.